Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. I am Charlie Folkstead, joined by Reed Tingley. And last night, the Oregon Ducks didn't do so hot in the Alamo Bowl, but you know what? It's okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about why or why not that may be the case. Reed, how was your, can you rate your viewing enjoyment experience of this game? Uh, it was pretty horrible for the first half, and then it was pretty good for the second half, honestly. I mean, despite it never really getting terribly close, I think that um, I had a lot more fun in the second half. The first half was just frustration with Anthony Brown, frustration with no holding calls being called against Oklahoma. <laughs> that part sucked, but yeah, what about you? Yeah, I'd say it was about a 4 out of 10 overall. <laughs> Like, like you said, it was nice to see some touchdowns in the second half. Yeah. You can, we'll talk about what that may or may not mean for how we look at this season, uh, in terms of actually throwing the ball more than five yards downfield. But, um, yeah, you want to just jump into this thing chronologically? Yeah, that sounds good. Also, before we do that, I guess we should tease the other stuff we're doing, too. Um, we're not going to talk about the new hires yet. By the time this episode drops, they will probably have happened. Uh, it looks like Oregon has their running backs coach and tight end coach as well. We're going to hit that on a separate episode just because we, I mean, this news dropped literally an hour ago, so we haven't really had time to figure out who these people are yet. Yeah, and we'll and it's still only rumors. It's not confirmed yet. Yeah, and we'll bunch in the the receiver coach hire. Hopefully, if that happens in the in the next day or two here. So yeah, right. Yeah, good call. Uh, we're also gonna talk a little bit of playoff preview for this episode. I know that's. I mean, it's just something fun, right? It it's a very relevant thing going on in the sport. Yeah, uh, we can also touch on how it relates to Oregon as well. Uh, also be on the lookout for we'll probably do some type of season season in review episode in the coming days as well um, I know you got the free time since you don't go back to school for a while <laughs> yeah I've got plenty of free time it's uh scoop Sweet duck man. articles in this pretty much so yeah hey that's all you need um so this Alamo Bowl uh we talked about our expectations heading in and that we could honestly see this game going any number of ways uh, I think we both kind of expected this as the more likely outcome. Uh, kind of a convincing win for Oklahoma, I guess you could say. Um, if you want to look at it as a blowout, like, sure, go ahead. I mean, statistically speaking, all of Oregon's touchdowns are probably within garbage time, or in quotes, garbage time. Um, I mean, once a game hits 30-3, to it's typically over. I know there's jokes to be made about Oregon and TCU here, but uh, <laughs> the Ducks got a three and out on their first defensive possession, the first possession of the game. Oklahoma scores eight straight drives after that. What went wrong for Oregon's defense in the first half? Oh, man. Well, I mean, one, I think the two things are just that Oregon is playing a super um, – depleted roster out there i mean credit to jackson powers johnson for battling but you have a freshman offensive lineman playing on your starting on your defensive line that was pretty crazy for sure um and just all around uh i think it got only worse in the second half too um because especially like noah sewell i mean this linebacker in core has been decimated all year 
uh, and we learned that uh, Leduc was was out, I think, with COVID right before this thing. Um, he tweeted something out. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Sewell was the only guy on the field who was recruited to be a scholarship linebacker. Um, I know they mentioned like Vasa on there. It's like, well, that dude's a true freshman again, and he's uh, inside linebacker, I guess, because Macefoon is out there and stuff. But um, yeah, I think Keith Brown's wasn't wasn't a go either. So yeah, Boss is out there, but again, as everyone knows, that's not a linebacker. Uh, at least not wasn't recruited to be one. He's turned out to be a pretty good one. Um, but regardless, <laughs> I think that. Noah Sewell kind of is a great band-aid for this unit, right? Like him just being so good <laughs> makes it that it actually you have a serviceable group with, you know, Hukalani or uh, Bossa or Keith Brown next to him, even though if you're being honest, none of those guys probably should be starting for Oregon. Um, but once Noah Sewell's not out there, which he wasn't in the second half, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, and you add on to that that you have freshman corners out there uh, who, get, you know, got burned a couple times. There's some good moments for them, but um, definitely, like, you could see the drop-off from DJ James and Mikhail Wright. Uh, and then on top of that, the offense or the defensive line you're playing like dj johnson and jackson powers johnson out there and i didn't really i didn't see that much doorless even until the end i felt like um i don't i didn't the snap counts still aren't up unfortunately from pff and i don't know when they will be but um that's just kind of what i noticed so it was all personnel for me like on defense i just think it's so impossible to evaluate this game and say anything like overarchingly negative because the personnel situation was so bad and then on top of that i mean all the defensive scheme is gone which i'm not that mad about i think deruder kind of has proved to be a uh you know decent defensive coordinator but maybe not the guy we want to move forward with anyways so uh Mm -hmm. that's how i felt about it yeah we we touched on this in the last episode, but I think it's kind of telling that he pretty quickly takes the job at Texas Tech once Mario leaves. Uh, maybe that's because he gets more leeway there. Maybe there's some bigger connections that I just don't know about within that staff. But in general, it I mean, that's a, that's a downgrade, right, on paper, like moving from Oregon to Texas Tech. I mean, I, <laughs> right. I'm not trying to overinflate our egos or anything, but um, – you would think it's a little bit higher paying job, hopefully, in Eugene. Uh, and at least you're in more of a position of power. I think it's more so that Lanning would want to bring in his own guys, though. Um, and again, if DeRuiter finds continuity elsewhere, then it would make sense that he moved on so quickly. But I don't know. I, I found it a little bit puzzling, though, that it happened so fast. Um, but it is, I guess, I was also just caught up in the whirlwind a little bit of this entire coaching cycle and all the chaos that that was that week or so earlier in December um back to this game though I mean some people were putting out charts and stuff about how many of Oregon's like players from the week one game against Fresno State were actually on the field by the end of this game 
And on defense, I'm pretty sure it was just Verone McKinley. Yeah. And that that was it. I mean, you're talking about literally 10 of your 11 starters being out. Um, and the two deep was probably just as bad. Are we really, really going to learn something from this game when we think about when we look back on it? Yeah, I, I think what you learn is just a lot different than like, especially on defense. I think I'll, I'll be interested, you know, if QB 11 does a stream to sit there and see, oh, we get to watch, you know, this specific play of Jalen Davies in coverage and and we get to get film on him that we haven't had. Right. But I'm not going to mm-hmm. say like oh, Oklahoma put up 47, this defense sucks. I I think that's, like, a pretty ridiculous take. But I think, you know, it's just the individual moments and seeing, like, you know, how this guy performed here and there and what you can piece together from that in the offseason with a good defensive staff with Landon coming in and kind of see, okay, can we project this group forward into a good defense? Um Popo was another guy who was out. I don't know if we explicitly mentioned that, but that turned out that he was officially out um, due to injury. But he announced that he's returning for next season. I mean, that's big. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive yeah. line is a area that's tough to recruit, obviously. And losing some guys, losing Jason Jones, um, losing Kayvon, obviously, you know, that was a area of concern, I guess. And when you get the announcement from Dorless and Popo that they're returning and you still have Christian mm-hmm. Williams and Keon, and then a lot of young guys who I think can step in and do something, um, who actually played a bit in this game too. Uh, I, I think that you feel like you're going to have a serviceable group up front next year, which gives you time to recruit and develop some more guys behind them once they eventually do move on yeah definitely i also found it kind of ironic that uh well maybe not ironic but just kind of funny that popo announced he was coming back for another season almost exactly two years after he announced the same thing prior to the rose bowl (laughs) Uh, he was part of that group of four who said they were coming back i believe it was with like thomas graham uh Brady Breeze might have been in that group and somebody else. Uh, you remember Len- what I'm talking about? Yeah, Lenore was in there for sure. Um, oh, okay. Jordan Scott was in there too, I think. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> again, the COVID year really screwed all this stuff up. But good for Popo. I'm glad to have him back. He's a great player. Um, and then, obviously, Doorless is, is huge. I mean, that's – is that the biggest – w we've seen on the returning for next year front do you think i think probably we haven't seen a lot so far honestly we've seen a lot more departures um which again don't i don't blame those guys but um doorless was huge yeah his moment was funny where he kind of joked he said oh i'm declaring and then quickly (laughs) said he wasn't um but that's awesome i mean that's big time doorless is is uh a huge difference maker as we talk about and i think that um this group sets up well for him to kind of have a showcase year potentially uh and mm-hmm. kind of move from being that complimentary piece to cave on to now being one of the primary people who causes havoc kind of obviously alongside noah sewell and and hopefully flows back so yeah yeah so real quick i i know we keep 
going away from the actual <laughs> game that happened. But um, I mean, th- I think people are also more interested in what kind of the future looks like at this point. S- something I'm sure we'll discuss over the off season, but I want to bring up now. Do we think Bossa moves back to safety if Flo and Sewell are both healthy? I mean, he's done a great job at inside linebacker. And that's not just saying, like, oh, he's done a great job because he wasn't expected to play there. Like, he's genuinely been solid. Um, yeah. Do we think he moves back? Do we just keep our depth there? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he really has been. I don't know if um, maybe we'll do this award officially kind of, uh, you know, in the off season or in the next few days. But if you're looking at, like, a, a freshman of the year, a defensive freshman of the year, like, Bossa is is probably at the top of the list without kind of looking through it too much further. Um, he's been damn good, and he was good in this game as well. Uh, I think it just depends. You know, it, it's kind of going to be up to the staff uh, and just how they feel about it. Because, well, linebacker's been a really weak point this year. I think if you get these guys back and you know flow is healthy and you have flow and sewell and you have leduc is healthy potentially and keith brown gets another year of development you know um and and some of those younger guys maybe step up here and there like line inside linebacker is gonna be okay whereas mm-hmm. safety is is gonna be thin especially if Verone does move on uh i don't I forget if Bennett Williams has officially announced that he's returning, but it seems like it's trending that way. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, like if Verone leaves, the safety room is in a pretty tough spot. Um, yeah. And yeah. you don't really have bodies at corner that you could switch over there either right now. Like maybe. Yeah. May like Triquez Bridges is a guy who you could have switched back to safety potentially at, at some point, but now it seems like it's leaning towards that guy being, you know, towards Triquez being a potential starting corner in that top group. Um, there's mm-hmm. probably some portal magic that needs to happen in here that might affect it. But I think boss is so good um, that maybe you move him back to safety just because that's, the area that he has more opportunity to play at um Mm -hmm. either way i think him being a nickel or a safety that's in the box a little more would be nice because he's proven that he's a really capable tackler um so yeah uh, either way though i I think it's gonna he's gonna be awesome i mean it's just been a great great showing i think uh over the summer as well once we learn a little bit more about this new defense um we can kind of figure out where some of the go- those guys fit in. I mean, I think even in this conversation, I've been framing everything I'm thinking about in terms of our current personnel requirements, um, and those can be completely different for a different type of defense. Obviously, the defense will be somewhat limited by the personnel, but, I mean, when you have guys who have played so many different positions, I mean, you think about even Mace Funa, right? He's played, like, depending on how you slice it, he's played, like, three or four different positions over his time at Oregon. Yeah. Um, just based on alignment and responsibility on any given down. Um, obviously, uh, edge rushers at Oregon <laughs> have have experience in different places already. Um, and then you talk about a guy like uh, Jeff Bossa, I mean, who's already played everywhere. So 
you know, Jamal Hill has been in that nickel spot. We'll see if that sticks around. I would assume it is just because it's a pretty common position in football at this yeah, point. But yeah. Again, that that's more of an offseason thing. I just wanted to bring it up initially to see what we think. All right, back to this game, man. Um, as I started to mention, the first two possessions looked pretty good up until that that tipped interception. Um I'm not somebody who likes to pin blame on one person for something. Uh, And in this case, I think it's the perfect example that, like, blame can be spread around. It doesn't need to go directly to one person. Um, Right. Sure. Brown could have thrown the ball better. Sure. Like, you should still be catching any ball that hits your hands. That's the one thing I really, truly learned from being a wide receiver when I was (laughs) little. And I know for a fact that that rule still applies now. Um, was the game over by then in your opinion uh I don't know if I would go that far I think the game was over on Oklahoma's next possession when I realized again that they just were not going to call a single holding penalty uh (laughs) and it was just like okay I mean if we're going out there with this kind of ragtag group and that you know and they're so thin and they're just allowed to be held the entire game like this is going to be a really long day on defense um but yeah i don't i don't know i mean like you said the first two possessions are pretty promising um and there's that interception and and i think you made a good point it's uh, both guys should probably be saying that's a play that i want back right like yeah it doesn't have to be one or the other i think that if brown throws a better ball you know, it's it's probably an easy catch. But at the same time, Dante Thornton's probably thinking, oh, it's right there, and I could have hauled it in anyways. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate because I think that this game could have gone differently maybe if you, if you go out and get a lead. Uh, but quickly, the Oklahoma offense just kind of started wearing down Oregon. Um, and... Kind of similarly to the Utah game, Oregon's offense just could not execute anything early on. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess more the first Utah game, but both really also. (laughs) But I'm going to amend your statement real quick and say nobody other than Travis Dye could do anything on offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the next possession after the touchdown, it's a good drive, and and like you said, Dye's doing a lot on it on there. Um, but yeah, you get to you know first and goal first from and the goal four, from the and just to get a false start is just horrible. That stuff needs to needs to be fixed. Um, it's fine though. I mean, you, I don't get too upset about it because again, this game was kind of a a bonus, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like we're costing ourselves a playoff chance here or anything. So I'm not going to beat anyone up over the false start exactly. But at the same time, I mean, if it's in a game that means something, when you get the ball four yards from scoring on the first down, it's got to just be seven points every time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, Holding OU to a just a field goal on their next possession was nice especially considering that they missed the PAT earlier um 
but the three and out right after that pretty much sealed our fate. Um, the fact that we couldn't score with them pretty much told me that we were losing this game because the defense was only getting weaker and Oklahoma was only getting stronger, it seemed, on offense. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think this was – I think that three and out on the third down, uh, Brown throws a, a really low ball to Crocker, if I remember right. It was just the same thing we've seen all year where just some of those inaccurate passes, I mean, same thing with, like, the Thornton one. Uh, even though Thornton, again, could have done something potentially to haul it in. But, like, those inaccurate balls just can single-handedly derail a drive in a key spot. Um, mm -hmm. You get a scheme that gets guy open. It should be not that hard of a throw, and you throw it kind of into the ground, and all of a sudden, who knows where that drive's going. Maybe that drive's seven points. Uh and and yep. to compound that i mean if it's you know rather than three plays if it's a 10 play drive or a 15 play drive all of a sudden your defense gets rest you get to punt it or you get to kick it back to them and they get the ball you know at 80 yards from scoring rather than 48 yards from scoring which is what they got it you know it's just like so many things are compounded by just having a three and out and an inaccurate ball there um and it, or i mean oregon's playing a good offense uh against a good offense in oklahoma too yeah like I don't, there's not really i don't feel that much shame in having you know caleb williams who's probably the third best quarterback maybe the second best in the sport behind like bryce young and cj stroud um mm-hmm having success against your against your really depleted defense of freshman corners and walk on and converted safety linebackers and converted offensive linemen and tight ends yeah. rushing the quarterback like i just think literally only freshman cornerbacks yeah no other class yeah um and kennedy brooks was also amazing in this game yeah totally I don't want to downplay that either. <laughs> yeah. And even with their receiver depart departures, I mean, kind of like Oregon, they have a, they have some guys to reload with for sure. Um, that receiver, they've been recruiting that well for a long time. You know, Mims is, is no slouch to catching the ball. Um, at, neither is Mario Williams, you know, and you have Kennedy Brooks. Like that's a, that's a very solid offense to work with, especially when you have a guy as talented as Caleb Williams executing it. So, Yep, totally um, agree. I think one thing that was kind of more concerning for me, though, honestly, was I felt like just watching the game, uh, like Oklahoma was getting some pressure on the Ducks, uh, mm -hmm. was doing a pretty solid job against our offensive line. And that was kind of unfortunate because that was one of the position groups where Oregon actually was able to keep its O-line unit in place pretty much for this game. Uh, yeah, other than Powers Johnson, who, again, had to play defense. Right, but, right. But even he uh, is a rotational guy, really. Um, yeah, yeah. And on the other side... Oklahoma was dealing with some issues in their front seven uh some pretty significant ones right so I think to see them still kind of you know be able to hold their own and even win that battle at times was was unfortunate for sure 
Yeah, that was definitely disappointing. Um, again, I, like we mentioned, I, like we mentioned in the preview, I mean, you can kind of assign whatever value you want to this game, except a super significant one. <laughs> like <laughs> McClendon's most likely gone. He he is gone basically yeah. uh, for Miami already. I mean. I, we've talked about the decision to start Brown and why it's a poor one. That's really the only like big problem I have with this game. I mean, obviously, I would like to have seen our defense play better, but we've mentioned the injuries enough times already and the, the opt-outs and everything. Like, just wasn't a realistic expectation um, for this team to ever stop a next year's Heisman front runner, probably. <laughs> Or at least one well, of them. Well, Bryce is returning, so him too, but yeah. Yeah, so probably Bryce, you're right, Bryce Stroud and Caleb Williams, I got to think, right. are going to be the, the three for next year. Yep, 100%. But yeah, and man, Bo Nix. This game. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's <laughs> kidding, an offseason kidding. topic that we will not be addressing <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> but yeah, overall. You know, it would have been nice to get that 11th win, to go out on a, an even higher note. Um, but there are some good things to take from this. Again, I, I want to get to the second half if we can. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's, again, 30-3 to three at halftime. It's whatever. Like, you just take what you can get in the second half, and that's exactly what we did. Um, they made writers like mine – they made our jobs a little bit harder in the second half because we had to shift a lot of narratives that we had already written down. But um, as we open the second half, four straight touchdown drives, three of them are passing touchdowns of 30 plus yards. Oh, <laughs> I was not aware that this game got switched to a different one. Are, were we still supposed to be watching Oregon on the screen? Because this is not what we looked like at all during the entire year. Do you think this was just finally a willingness to open up the playbook or was it just kind of a screw it we've already lost this game let's just see what happens kind of deal or are those both the same deal in this sense yeah I think those kind of converge right I think that you're out of it and and you just kind of are like well okay we can take shots now um which honestly worked out for the best right I mean I almost would I, I would rather have this happen then, like, let's say that Oregon does punch a drive or two in in the first half, and it's maybe a little closer, and mm -hmm. they just kind of, like, both sides just kind of, like, inchworm their way to this score, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we never really get to open it up. That would have that would have been probably more depressing. Um, I tweeted it out, but, like, I mean, what we said in the, in the preview, too, is, like, I just wanted to have fun watching this game and for the players on the field to have some fun in a game that didn't necessarily mean that much um mm -hmm. and so i i mean those three passes were definitely fun like that that was yeah. really some of the best times i've had watching this team all year especially being the young guys who came through um that was pretty awesome like Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, those guys are just so good to see Dante Thornton rip off a 66 yard touchdown. Um, yep. like that's just pretty crazy moment when you, you know, have a freshman who that they've done this stuff against high school players. Right. But like to have them step on the field in a, 
you know, against Oklahoma, some pretty talented players on the other side and still be yeah. able to beat a dude by three strides and break off a 66 mm-hmm. yard touchdown catch. Like that is, that's crazy to see it translate like that. Um, yeah. And I mean, we talked about the attrition that Oklahoma was dealing with too. Obviously they don't have their number one defense by any stretch, but as you're saying, I mean, it's our backups, our young backups versus their young backups. So right. It's still good reps either way. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see Anthony Brown complete some of these, right? Uh, yeah, bro. That's something to, to talk about. I don't know. That's weird. Um, there's obviously, I think it's the first half, there's the one to, to Troy Franklin that's missed. Uh, and there's some debate about whether Troy could have gotten to it or not. Um, I've s- seen some people say in the stadium that it wasn't, it wasn't really a catchable bo- ball. And I think tend to believe them just because it matches up with the like effort that we didn't see from Troy to catch it. Mm-hmm. I would like believe that if he could have ca- caught it, he probably would have made an effort at it, but who knows exactly. Um, but I think that camera angles, you know, from wherever the camera in the stadium is can be a bit deceiving on some of those. Yeah. Um, regardless though, in this, in the second half, Anthony Brown hit some of these passes, uh, some pretty deep mm-hmm. balls, and that was that was interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> really hadn't seen it at all all season, and he hit three of them. I mean, we'd seen it a couple times, I guess. You know, the Devin Williams one in the um, game against Oregon against State Utah. comes to or or Utah, right? And or and Oregon State, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there was the Johnny Johnson in the first game against Fresno, but even then, that's like we're talking about three passes the entire year, <laughs> right? And he has three of them in this half that are uh, pretty good ones. Um, yeah, so that was. I mean, even just even just some of these regular throws that weren't just over the top. I mean the fact that we could actually hit a crossing route or hit someone on the sideline with a pretty decent ball. Like <laughs> I, I couldn't find, I, I had to find myself getting excited about like a 15 yard Isaiah Crocker first down catch across the middle. Like that's just not something we've been able to do this season. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It was just really nice. The first half was such a headache at times just never being able to punch it in and then having Caleb Williams kind of tear this defense apart a bit um, and Kennedy Brooks and yeah. Um, So it just felt like it was just exciting uh, to have the offense do something. I mean, they score four straight uh, touchdowns to open the second half. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Uh, Albeit against a depleted Oklahoma defense, like you said, but like, that's at least something positive, you know, to build on where these guys aren't going to be, I don't know. It just, it's just good to see that, <laughs> to see them do something yeah, and kind of have at least some accomplishment to, to be happy about and to like enjoy the last half, even if they weren't going to win. And I mean, as soon as I saw Noah Sewell not out there to start the second half, like yeah. I made the point earlier, I mean, it was clear that if Oklahoma needed something, they're pretty much going to get it. Um, 
But, you know, credit to all the guys out there on the Oregon defense who's, who are out there. That's not any slight against them. They're in a tough position, um, especially we you said it, you know, the guy who was hanging around out there who was the starter to start the year. Um, like, Verone deserves a huge shout-out for we'll see whether he decides to go to the NFL or not. But, I mean, him going out there as a potential NFL guy in a game that doesn't really matter – you know, and battling till the end when potentially, you know, a, a injury or whatever could always happen that would be pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. Like, he he just stuck with it, stuck with the guys, was a good leader. Um, and, yeah, so credit to him. He was getting into it, too. He was, he was picking fights and stuff. Yeah. I love the energy. I love Even that. down by however many points. Yeah. I, I love it. And he recovered that fumble that they stole from us. Yeah, which the only reason I'm not, I'm choosing not to be angry about that is that Bob Stoops deserves it. Um, <laughs> for what we did to him in 2006, we mentioned it on the last pod, and it was alluded to many times on the broadcast. Uh, it's nice to know he's still salty about it, though, um, since he kept mentioning it throughout the week in his pressers. So, um, Well, I think we, we can officially – uh bury that one now right they have the makeup call it's all even yeah yeah completely there (laughs) definitely wasn't any more um relevance to that game than this one right (laughs) right exactly yeah exactly i'm i'm sure bob will be willing to bury the hatchet (laughs) i'm sure he will uh all right let's kind of wrap this up from a statistics standpoint oklahoma gets 7.5 yards of carry uh on 43 attempts that will win you most games in any in any game but when you get 11 and a half uh yards per reception and you get 21 of those that will also win you a game so credit to them they did what they needed to do had the better explosive plays and as we've been mentioning oregon wasn't able to stop them oregon didn't have a bad night either in the second half at least uh Travis Dye finishes with 153 yards and a touchdown on that 8.5 yards per carry average. That is pretty damn good. Um, he crosses the 3,000-yard mark, and I believe he's the fifth leading rusher in Oregon school history now, uh, passing Verdell, who, I mean, I wow. guess we'll see what happens with those two. But uh, they have a chance to really make some noise. I don't think anybody's passing Royce that's on this current roster. Maybe Cardwell, uh, if he – if those two move on next year, but yeah, that, that was a nice little milestone to take from this game, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Royce is Royce is tough to pass up for sure. Um, but that is a nice milestone. Yeah. I, it's kind of tough to talk about Travis die right now because like you said, we don't know whether he's returning or not. And that obviously kind of has a big impact on the narrative of this either being his last game or, him taking in as a leader for one more year. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was an awesome performance by him regardless. And then the young guys, the receivers were really fun to watch. Um, I'm excited about that group, right? I think Thornton and Franklin Mm -hmm. showed a lot of of why they're, you know, so so highly rated coming out of high school uh, and why everyone was so excited about them. And then Chris Hudson also, I mean, man i i kind of we talked about that and i gave him a shout out in the utah game where he kind of battled and stood out as one of those guys who was 
you know, ready to trying? try. Yeah, trying. <laughs> right, that's a good way to put it. Um, and in this game, he just kind of showed again, like, is this guy a, a wide receiver one next year? You know, is I mean, he's probably going to start. Um, but is he, like, I don't think people thought that he would be as good as Thornton or Franklin. Uh, and he looked like he fit right in. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that slot position is perfect for him. Yeah. I think if he was one inch taller, literally one inch taller, Chris Hudson would get so much more cred amongst Oregon fans. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's not above that six foot threshold is really tough. Um, men around the world know what I'm talking about, <laughs> or I guess Americans because metric system and whatnot. But yeah, man, he's definitely got some flash. Like he's a guy who's definitely stood out to me this season in a positive way. Like I know he's going to be best known for that weird celebration mishap and getting chewed out by Mario. And then the, the subsequent fumble in the next few weeks, but he's a good player, man. I'm excited to see what Hudson can do. Um, I think a lot of us are forgetting that he's still classified as a freshman. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, next year he'll be a sophomore, obviously, but I'm excited to see what he can do for sure. Yeah, Hudson's a and, he's a funny player. He definitely um, his kick returns. He he kind of runs with looks like he's out of control sometimes, and obviously yeah, we saw that yeah. with the fumbles too. But it's it's dynamic too. I mean, he's <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. He, um, but I definitely think he's a good player. I'm excited to see how he grows in the next year for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm just kind of looking at the personnel wise right now i'd assume he's the shoe in for um that slot receiver position so we'll see what happens there seven mcgee only got one touch in this game that was a little bit surprising to me um he, but i guess that's kind of what i'm used to at this point unfortunately he had the awesome uh celebration though i think on chris hudson's catch where he comes in and does the soccer punt. oh yeah yeah <laughs> <It's> funny <laughs> um just boots it yeah I think uh, I feel Brevard also got a touch. That was cool. Yeah, I think I feel better about this kind of receiver room though, with the guy like Crocker uh, stepping up and kind of like, I don't know. Those guys had been bur- he'd been buried on the depth chart and kind of I think some people had dismissed him and thought, oh maybe he's going to transfer or whatnot. But with just how this thing shaped out, um, you know, he got an opportunity and looked good right like if if that's our mm-hmm. wide receiver four or five next year that's totally fine uh i wonder if we see something similar from a guy like josh delgado um i actually watched lance wilhoyt yeah i actually watched a a bit of the uh 2019 auburn game last night just kind of bored mm-hmm. and wanting to see some bo nicks and you know, obvious reasons, but it's funny because Delgado's a true freshman in that game and gets touches. Uh, yeah, there was some receiver issues going into that. Jawan Johnson's ruled out right before the game. Um, that was kind of a, yeah, that part was annoying for sure. But, but Delgado was a guy who stepped up as a true freshman. It's just kind of funny to think that he played in that game, but we didn't really see him that much this year. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking at his chart right now. He played every game in 2019 and started three of them. 
played in all seven last year and started in one of them and hasn't played in a single game this year. So maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. I mean, he hasn't really, I don't think he's been with the team all season doing stuff. So that's a, that's a weird one for sure. Maybe he's got one foot out the door and looking to transfer. Maybe he just needed a year off or something. I'm not sure. But, yeah, that, that's a good shout. I've seen him on some practice squad things, I think, here and there. Um, I don't know what the deal is. But, um, yeah, regardless, I, I just feel like I feel pretty good about this receiver room, actually. Just, I mean, seeing how good Hudson, Franklin, and Thornton are and then feeling like a guy like Crocker is capable, a guy like Reverend's probably going to be good. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Feels good about that. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff. I think there's there's a lot of stuff to to work with here. Um, I will say, kind of, it was it did kind of stand out to me watching that 2019 team, though, uh, in that Auburn game to open the season. Just how kind of like loaded and battle tested that group was. Um, I feel like the COVID year kind of just had a weird effect on the whole roster compared to those guys who you know you go out there and you have guys like i mean on defense especially like having a troy die yeah. in the center of that group and you have like lenore javon and holland. yeah javon holland is obviously a superstar and then you know like lenore and graham and pickett who just felt like they'd been there forever because they were hoisted into mm -hmm. playing time so early in their career like they just were felt like such vets in that game um yeah yeah and even like the young guys i mean we had a different perspective on him back then but a guy like yeah i mean doorless a guy like verone mckinley is is you know taking some first major steps in that game and obviously now he's like the vet of this team um of this defense and then yeah. I mean, that mix was just like you had all these vets who were so experienced and then it was such a good balance because you mixed in with the freshmen were like Mace Funa and Kayvon Thibodeau and Mikhail Wright, like just so uber talented freshmen and playing spot minutes. Um, mm -hmm. And you have a guy like Popo is your backup defensive tackle to Jordan Scott, like there are just some luxuries there for sure. Um, and even a guy like Slade, I don't know. It's just that that team was so loaded uh, with guys Here's who had thing, played though, a is, lot. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm trying to think of who we look back on from a game like the Ohio State game this year. Or just, I don't know, pick a random game this year where we had to play a bunch of young guys. Like, will we be talking about Braden Swinson that way? Maybe. Keith right. Brown, you know, filling in at linebacker. Shoot, maybe. I mean, that was kind of Verone's big coming out party. I think he had an interception the week before anyways, but I mean, and we knew his name obviously, but that's that game is kind of where he stepped up, makes the interception at the end, you know, kind of solidifies himself as the overall leader of that defense. I mean, there's just so many guys that stood out in that game specifically. And of course, like segue into this i think that is ultimately what this season is going to get remembered for for better or for worse i mean you never want the peak of your season to be in september but i mean we talked about it after that game you don't get very many opportunities to make a statement like that and 
and even on the broadcast they were talking about it. I think it's the best non-conference win this season. Um, maybe Georgia beating Clemson is up there, but even then that was like a pretty weird game in and of itself. So it's for better or worse, again, that's what this season is going to be remembered for. Um, what other kind of thing I, I have a, another list of things I can go through as well, but I want to ask you like, what else are you going to remember this season for? Well, I think, I think just in perspective, this is one of the things that I looked through, um, last night, I think just say, you know, it's a 10 win season. Um, and I compiled like how many 10 win seasons have there been in the pac 12 since 2000, Oregon has 12 and USC has 11 Stanford has six and then no one else has more than four. Wow. Um, that four is UW, right? It's gotta be. Yeah. UW and Washington state have four, uh, UCLA and Arizona state have three. Utah has three, um, in the pac 12, right? I didn't count the ones that they had in the mountain West because that's different. Um, Oregon State and Cal have two. Arizona has one. Colorado has one in the Pac-12. But, I mean, that's just, ultimately, it's just kind of insane hearing the stuff that some people say on Twitter. Um, you know, I mean, USC fans have, have had success, obviously, right? Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, they only really come out when their team's doing well, so they're not doing much of the talking. Stanford fans. CJ Stroud so poignantly pointed out to us. <laughs> right. Um, Stanford fans don't really exist, but I mean, they don't exist. They, yeah, they deserve to be proud of their their time in the two, in the mid twenty tens for sure. But I mean, other than that, it's like, what are these teams talking about? Like literally, this season that Oregon just had, with all the ups and downs, and even getting blown out in a Pac twelve championship game, and you know, this and that. I mean, ultimately, you beat Ohio State on the road. You have moments where you're ranked as high as third in the country, and you have all this attention. When has, in the last 20 years, has UCLA had a season as good as that? You know, or or any of these teams, really? Like, some of those Cal seasons in the early 2000s that are remembered so fondly are, are somewhat reminiscent of this. Um, the Utah 2019 yeah. season is not all that different from this one. Yeah. Like, yeah, true. I don't know. It's just, I mean, ultimately a 10 win season for a lot of programs is a really impressive thing. Um, it's amazing that this team won 10 games in some ways, uh, given all the things they struggled with. And the fact that I think we kind of learned that this roster wasn't, maybe as loaded as we thought it was. I don't know. It's tough to say whether that was injuries or this or that. Um, And on top of it, they didn't have an elite quarterback as we've been over. Um, So to get to 10 wins is, you know, actually ended up being kind of an impressive thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, in terms of the moments of it all, I think that you win that big game at Ohio State that still means something to me, right? I think this sport is yeah. about moments a lot of times. And it's funny how, you know, you talk to recruits and stuff. I mean, it's funny that they don't really pour over the 
notes and details of these teams seasons as much as you know the fans probably think that they do uh Mm -hmm. it's so much of it is just about moments and like it still says a lot to me that all these people i knew you know who are casual sports fans even like still were like oh oregon beat ohio state congratulations like that that was a moment that resonated with people who don't even follow the sport really um exactly man that that's what i want to get to like i had people come up and talk to me about that who hadn't watched football in years and they told me that right oh i have a relative from michigan we're all so proud of you she literally (laughs) said that to me i was like okay you know i had family members who don't again don't watch football that were just super super all over that everyone in the state of oregon know and honestly (laughs) pretty much everyone in the country who at least has some connection to sports knows the result of that game and understands that that is a big deal. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ohio state is an absolute institution in the sport. Like anytime they lose, it's yeah. a story. So it, yeah, I think that was that, that still is huge for me. I think it showed kind of the potential of this group for sure. Um, and just kind of the work that had been put in. I think it's unfortunate that it got derailed here and there. I mean, the Stanford loss is a black mark that never really should have happened. Um, despite the adversity. I mean, Stanford just... They lost some stuff and got hit by COVID and, and all of that. But they just proved to be a pretty bad team. Uh, yeah. And so that was unfortunate. Yeah, real quick, actually. Yeah, go ahead. You want to go through our um i've been hiding this tab for months now but i just opened it back up on the spreadsheet the win totals from this season you want to do the pac-12 win totals and our picks for them yeah these are pretty funny i'm game (laughs) let's start at the top oregon flat nine both went over both hit that one um it, it was kind of stressful at times but i mean you look at the wins i mean Again, if we had said, okay, we're going to beat Ohio State, easy over nine. Honestly, I probably would have taken over 10 at that rate, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's an easy cash. I think Washington, nine. Okay, go ahead. Well, quickly, <laughs> one more thing that I just want to mention about the Oregon season that I think we kind of have lost in these last few weeks of chaos is like mm-hmm. the stuff that we were talking about you know, particularly after that stretch of, uh, you know, the Washington game is just how battle tested this team was like the, Mm -hmm. all of the games, you know, Stanford, where they basically, you know, barring the pass interference call, this group's holds strong on defense and should have gotten off the field with a win. And they do the same against Cal and the same against UCLA. And they're in a battle against Washington. Like, there were just a lot of kind of ugly Pac-12 games, and I know mm-hmm. people are mad that they were ugly, but ultimately I, I think that experience can prove to be valuable, hopefully, um, for this group going forward. Like, this team gutted out a lot of wins. Like you said, you know, there were times where it was a stressful get path getting to nine wins. Like, yeah, this team gutted out a lot of them that were close, and maybe they were closer than they needed to be. But at the end of the day, like, that is college football. Like, you want to win a lot of them yeah. comfortably. But the thing that separates playoff teams 
from, you know, making or missing them is those ugly games where you're in it with a team that you should have beaten and you just are like staring a one possession game down late in the fourth quarter where a bounce of the ball here or there can swing it. I mean, that's what happened in 2019, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this, the sad reality, I guess, happy depending how you look on it, is that team like <laughs> probably should have gone undefeated in terms of like they were better by a pretty decent margin than every team they played that year. Um, yeah. I think looking back on it, like they probably are touchdown favorites against everyone they should have been um besides maybe wisconsin mm-hmm. in the last game but like the auburn team re-watching that game that game should not have been very close um nor should no. the arizona state game have been that close uh but i think that this group proved in some of those games where it's like yeah we probably should beat you i mean definitely should have pulled away and beaten ucla by more shouldn't be that close against cal shouldn't really be that close against UW, although the weather had an effect on their, on it. Like, they pulled out and won more of those games than they didn't. Um, you'd like them to not get in that position five times in a season or whatever it was, but still, <laughs> uh, like, the fact that they did pull it out when they needed to more times than not is is a positive thing. Yeah, man. If it's not good for the blood pressure, at least it's good for – entertainment value from a fan (laughs) perspective like i mean you mentioned the effect it'll have on players going forward like i completely agree it's invaluable um to be in those sort of games it's even more invaluable to be in those sort of games and have a stake in it you know we i mean in 2016 i had i used to say stuff like oh it's you know at least it's good that we're having you know competitive games now we're not just waxing everybody and blowing them out like at least the young guys are know getting some sort of different perspective on things but i mean that was a four and eight season this was a 10 and four season (laughs) you know we we have so much more um to be happy about now than than in a season like that uh so yeah i i'm overall all things considered you know you take it you take it um i think it's safe to say I'm having a hard time figuring out if this met expectations or not. I guess technically you have to say Oregon fell short. Um, It depends what your expectation was for this team. Yeah. Mario kept talking about this is the time where we need to make the jump to be a playoff team instead of a Rose Bowl team or a Pac-12 winning team. Like, I agree with that in principle, but in reality, I wasn't really – I mean, at the beginning of this season, what were we talking about, right? Pac-12 title or bust. And even though we busted, I still feel like we did a pretty good job, you know? Yeah, I think that – I mean, I think it falls below expectations, but I think the factors surrounding it in terms of all the injuries uh, and then, like, the stuff going on with the staff, I mean, whether it's Mario potentially leaving – or the stuff going on with Moorhead, uh, I feel like did have an impact on this thing. I mean, it, it certainly impacted the Stanford game. But even I feel like in the Utah games, especially the second one, it was kind of strange what a lot, you know. Yeah. 
the game plan that Oregon came back out with. Uh, mm-hmm. Or lack of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So... I think with a ton of ton of adversity and bad circumstances hitting a program, I think that you know it was it was an all right season all in all. Um, but I'm excited for for the next era too. I'm excited to kind of some of the headaches that we had, um, whether it's the quarterback situation and conservative being conservative on offense or. You know, the stuff with DeRuiter just giving up too many yards, kind of just surrendering that every opponent you're going to play is going to score 20 on you. That was a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited for for a new staff and to kind of hit the reset button um, with a pretty good roster in place and some pretty experienced players and just see where this thing can go. Yeah. I think it's safe to say we're on a better trajectory than 10 of the other 11 remaining teams in the conference. Um, Speaking of that 11th team, though, USC, they were pegged at an 8.5 win total this season, and we both took the over there. Yikes. That's a a pretty painful one. Um, Let's see, UW was at 9. We both took the over there. (laughs) Ouch. Um, we were both pretty confident in that too. <laughs> we kind of knew that. Ugh, yikes. Um, let's see. Stanford's total was at four. We both went over. That's that's bad. They they went three and nine. Uh, Wazoo was at six. We both took the under. They proved us wrong at seven and five. Just goes to show how tricky these things can be. Like Cal was at six. You took the under, so good job there. I took the push and missed it by one uh and oregon state the little beavers we both thought they were not going to get four and a half wins and lo and behold they made a bowl game so again it's just about relative expectations i mean a bowl game not even a bowl win for oregon state was massive this season again i mean you can have whatever opinion you want you want about win totals but at the end of the day when these are made in August, that is the industry-wide expectation for what this team will do or what each team will do. Yeah. Um, and we exceeded that expectation, so that's nice, I guess, even if we had higher ones internally. Uh, Arizona State, we both got right. They go under nine wins at eight and four. I'm just kind of breezing through the rest of these. Oh, here's one that I got and you missed. Utah was at eight and a half. I took the over, you took the under. So that, that Oregon game late in the season could have won you that one. But um, yeah, these are all regular season, by the way. This doesn't count conference titles. All right, there's two more, three more on here. UCLA, very interesting season, eight and four. And I want to actually talk about this team because it's one of the premier brands in the Pac-12, even if they suck. Yeah, um, in LA. Just because of its location, yeah. Is this a team that can, again, way too early expectation setting, is this a team that you're at least a little bit thinking about maybe they make some noise in 22? Or is it going to be the same shit with, like, 8-4 and four as the ceiling for Chip and they're not going to make the Pac-12 South title? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have that much faith in Chip anymore. Um, 
I mean, the kind of the story of this year for them was they won the games they should and they lost the games they should, um, which is fine. But I think I don't know. I think the Pac-12 South is fine outside of like Arizona, who's even trending upwards, and Colorado. Um, I just still think that UCLA is kind of in a weird middle ground there where um like utah is going to be better than them with lincoln riley taking over like how quickly can usc become better than them um Mm -hmm. and arizona state made some noise early in the season for sure so Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting but overall i think like i think utah returns so much next year it's tough for me to not put them at it heavy favorite to repeat in the south yeah a ways out obviously but yeah that's fair utah plays at ucla saturday october 8th so you know mark your calendars but i don't know i'm just breezing through the bruins schedule they have a cupcake out of conference just three almost guaranteed wins i'm sure that'll come back to bite me (laughs) and then they miss they miss Wazoo and Oregon State from the north. They play at Autzen. Yeah, they're it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Their conference schedule looks pretty brutal. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe a team to keep an eye on. Glance at Utah real quick. They got that big game opening weekend in the swamp against Florida. Is that part of a home-and-home, home or is that just a one-off? Do you know? I'm not sure, but I know they've been circling that for a while, and so it's going to be interesting. I mean, they should be favorites in that game. You know, kind of dodged a bullet there where Florida's rebounding and Utah's in a really good spot. So, yeah. I don't know, though. It's still Florida. Like, you still got to – that's still a tough game. I'm not, I'm not completely convinced that they'd be favored in that game. It looks like it is a home-and-home. Home. Florida comes to Salt Lake City in 2023 on opening weekend. So that'll be oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, a little Pac-12 flavor. It's, that's a rarity, actually. Wow, the Urban Meyer Bowl. But anyways, um, let's get through the rest of these. Uh, Colorado, 4-8. and eight. They were pegged for four-and-a-half wins. You took you, you reluctantly took the over, and I, I had them at uh, the under. So... I'll take that one. And then Arizona won an 11. I took under. You said over. <laughs> so you got me on UCLA and uh, who else on here? You got me on UCLA and, like, a couple other ones. Cal. But I got a couple other on you as well. So, I don't know. Those are interesting. I like going over win totals because, again, they, they just kind of set the tone for what you maybe should be expecting um, as a fan in terms of what the industry expects as a whole so yeah that's that's what i found i find value in those that's what i've started going with in the uh in the group chat wars now if people come at me oh yeah with talk about oregon uh either about them underachieving this year or just talking about the staff now the best retort is just like what would you put oregon's win total at for next year and then be like (laughs) If they say something ridiculous, just be like, okay, I'll, you know, let's put money on it. Like, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I mean, it just yeah, man. is the objective, like, measure. And ultimately, it's like at a certain point with a UW fan who's going to say something this way or that way, or a UCLA fan, it's just like, 
Okay, so our win total is going to be at nine, and yours is going to be at six for UW or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. There are, I, I want to point out a few more national ones we got right. Uh, all three ACC teams that we did, Clemson, North Carolina, and Miami, we took the unders on all of those, and we got them all right. That's pretty uh, funny. Clemson's was it? Dude, Clemson's was at 11 and a half, so they they went nine and three. Yeah, we'll take that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> North Carolina was at 10, and we that's an easy under. They went six and six. Miami, same thing, nine and a half. That's, that's a quick seven and five dub. Jeez. Um, Michigan was at seven and a half. We both confidently took the over there and hit it. Uh, Penn State didn't really help us out. They, they were at nine, and we both took the over. They finished seven and five. We both got Ohio State, though. Uh, <laughs> they, they were pegged at 11, and that 10 and two finish gets us both the under victory. Um, what else can I find here? Uh, we both got Bama right, not winning out. They were at 11 and a half. We both said 11, and we both got it. Uh, A&M, you had A&M as a 10-win team. And I mean, you were technically wrong, but they did do the unthinkable during this season. So maybe like a, a courtesy dub for you, right? Taking the yeah, over. it's it's funny. Some of these you can get them wrong, but you kind of feel like you're on the right side of it. Or sometimes yeah, you get it yeah. right, and you feel like uh, this team really lucked into a few wins. That <laughs> like if you're simming this season over, I might switch my pick. You know, so yeah. We both got Georgia right. We were both on the over 10.5 for them. Um, Hell yeah. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. But yeah, man, I, I think that's pretty much all the relevant ones that we have. Um, oh, maybe Notre Dame. This is always an interesting one. Nine wins. You had the over. I had the under. So that's one where I feel like I, I got that. But I guess they beat everyone they should have beaten and lost everyone they well, lost to Cincy. Yeah. That FSU game, too, though. I mean, that that's the type of thing where I, I feel like I did better than it shows me. You know? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I'll take the moral victory there. Anyways, um, as you know, my Wi-Fi won't load this outline, so I don't know what you have on deck next, but uh, <laughs> feel free to throw something out there. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I just realized we forgot to do players of the game. Do you want to do that now, or do you want to wait till the very end? Let's do it now, or else we'll forget later again. Yeah. Um. Jesus, defense. Let's start with defense because it's more difficult. Um. Fossa, Verone for being out there. Yeah. Um. um. Jackson Powers Johnson definitely deserves a shout for being out there <laughs> and holding Jackson. holding his own at times. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was fighting. This <laughs> I'm is... in real trouble thinking of anybody else, though. Yeah, anyone that really deserves it is, I mean, you know, they all deserve it in theory, but <laughs> in terms of actual impact on the game and effectively reducing points scored, uh, <laughs> it's tough. Tough. It's tough. The the freaking ESPN stats has TJ Bass as our leading tackler with nine tackles. Oh, okay. 
pretty yeah, sure that's that's, what, that's par for the course for you. Pretty sure that's incorrect. Um, <laughs> gonna take a guess, yeah. Yeah, I I guess Verone or uh, Bossa would would be my two nominees. Yeah, sure, Verone and Bossa. I think that's <laughs> I think that's fair. We'll do like I already mentioned this. We'll do a player of the season thing too, and just kind of as part of a bigger season in review. Yeah. Um, on a later episode, but offense, Thornton, Franklin, Thornton had the the drop. If you want to assign a little blame to him there. The skinnies. If you think Franklin could have caught the other ball. Yeah, just the skinnies in general. Hudson, maybe. It's hard to not say die, though. Is Hudson an honorary skinny now? I think he is after that performance. I like it. Just the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, he can replace uh, Devin Williams as, as the non freshman skinny for next season. Yeah, I like that. Um,. Yeah, I mean Travis Dye, obviously, like he probably deserves it, but I it's more fun to give it to the skinnies. <laughs> Some real like meatheads would probably love to give it to Brown just because of, of his fight and his poise in the second half. I'm like, sure, if you want to go that route, maybe that's for you. Like, yeah, I I can see an argument there. Um, but yeah, I think we got that pretty much covered. <laughs> um okay right. you want to do playoffs quick and then get out the door here let's do it let's do it uh, i believe we have a raising canes date after this if if i remember correctly so that's the plan i'm getting pretty hungry um which one do you want to do first uh start with the early game i guess since bama yeah um bama's gonna win by a lot and although since he has a couple good players, especially in the secondary where they need him most, it won't be enough to stop. Are you, do you know the spread for this one? I believe it's nine. No, it's 13. Last and I checked. It's 13 and it a half. Here. 13 and a half? Yeah. Oh God. Are you putting money on it though? Uh, I would have at nine. I will not be at 13 and a half. Well, shoot. I might, man. I don't know. I feel like it's a game uh, Cincinnati could lose by double digits, but it still doesn't feel close, but they still might cover, you know, mm-hmm. like they get some garbage time points kind of like Oregon did last night to make it look a little better. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm having a real tough time thinking about how they're going to stop Will Anderson and those receivers and Bryce Young. That is uh, fair. Yeah, I don't I, – I think um, – I mean, I think Bama's been weak on the lines of scrimmage at times, um, especially their offensive line has struggled. And so playing a G5 team uh, definitely is going to help with that, right? So, uh, yeah, I think um, – I mean, I'll, I'll go with Bama. I do think that people are kind of overreacting, though, to Bama's performance in the – conference championship game uh mm-hmm. not in yeah so think about this man yeah go ahead how how many weeks did we sit down and you had bama on the second screen and you're just watching and you're like holy crap like they could lose this game you know yeah we saw it against florida in yeah. week three we saw it and eh, probably not against ole miss in week five uh obviously they lose next week against a&m 
can't remember much about Mississippi State and Tennessee. Maybe those were convincing wins. Uh, do you remember at all? Because I don't. Yeah, they were pretty much. I think the Tennessee one was close for a while. Yeah. That LSU really sticks out, though. Um, I believe I was watching that on my laptop in Seattle in the press box during the Oregon UW game. I mean, they um, were damn close to losing that game. <laughs> they they were only up six and LSU had the ball and they were moving the ball. Yeah. Um, and then Auburn, obviously, I mean, not even could, probably should have lost that game. Uh, oh, definitely should have. Tink Bigsby so, yeah, doesn't I mean, go out of bounds. I guess we'll see, man. I guess we'll see. Well, I, are you? Would you take the 13 and a half? I think more times than not, Bama does cover this. But my point is just that, like, my point isn't that it wasn't impressive to beat Georgia, right? That's absolutely not my point. That was as impressive of a game as you can play, pretty much. Like, that was really, mm-hmm. really impressive. My point more is at the end of the day, it is just one data point, right? And so, like, even if that data point is an 11 out of 10, we still have to remember that we saw this team play 12 other games, and in, like, six of them, there were major, major red flags that were like, this team is not a championship-caliber team, red alert. Like, yeah, and it turns I, out I would, that in this... That to five. It turns out in this year, like, there aren't a... There are there isn't another shoe in team that is you know gonna guaranteed kick their ass, so they could win for sure. But I'm not like I don't know. I just think a lot of people because it's just the little one is next to the Alabama with this crimson script A. People just think they're an absolute juggernaut when ninety percent of the evidence we've seen this year has been they are not unbeatable at least 90, though yeah i don't I know it's 90 i think it's still a little lower that yeah, said though probably, i mean you're absolutely yeah. right it's it's not like the bama we're used to seeing where they just steamroll everybody and mechie's out too yeah I mean, he was out for last game it didn't make a difference I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, if the if like if Jamison Williams goes down, that offense is gonna like screech, to. I mean, it, not against Cincinnati, it won't be dead, but like. They're. I just have a hard time believing that. Well, never mind. Keep going. Sorry. Well, I just they they just aren't as deep. I mean, that was part of what killed them against Auburn, was Jamison Williams yeah. goes out, and they had Mechie in that game. Like, I don't know. I mean, Cincinnati is good. Like, but I mean, not even Georgia could get pressure on Alabama, and that's the reason Auburn was in that game is they were able to actually yeah. send blitzes and get pressure. Georgia was, I mean, Georgia's whole thing this year with defense is that they've been able to get pressure with like four guys, uh, and they couldn't even when they brought the blitz against Bryce Young. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely yeah. think Alabama can win. Like, I mean, I definitely think that they, you know, 95% chance they beat Cincy, probably. Maybe not that high, 
I'm probably a little lower than that. I'm probably like 80% chance they beat Cincy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you seem like I you're locked of, that they do. I'm I'm pretty locked in that Bama covers this. Yeah. I just have a hard time believing that Cincy has a better chance to win this game than Oregon did in Columbus. And I know that I got to stop comparing everything to that because <laughs> Oregon way overplayed our expectations in that game. Yeah. I don't know. 13 and a half is not all that much when you really think about it. Mm. Can Cincy really go Death Star mode? I mean, shoot, we've been talking about Bama this whole time. Cincy has showed cracks this season too, right? Yeah, that's true. Especially in first against halves worse of games. Teams. Like, yeah, against way worse teams. <laughs> yeah, I way, mean, way, way worse teams for sure. <laughs> um, you uh, you want to move on to Georgia-Michigan? Or do you want to give yeah, like a please, score this... prediction or anything? Uh, Score prediction, I'll go like... 45 to 28 Bama. Eh, 45 to 24. I'll go like 38 21 Bama. Okay. Yeah, I I see I don't see Bama getting held under 30. Yeah. Or 35. Um Okay, George. Respect to Cincy though, real quick. We don't hate Cincy. Like we're not just shitting on them. They yeah. they deserve to be here. No, I they, hope I hope it's I mean, competitive. I really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I have a rooting interest, it's Cincy for sure. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want Georgia to run into Bama again. Speaking of um, those Georgia Bulldogs, seven and a half point favorites against Michigan. Uh, It's juiced towards a touchdown a little bit. So maybe somewhere between seven and a half and seven is kind of the consensus on the spread here. I, God, like... Three years ago, me would be just wanting to shoot myself for saying something like this, but I think we're going to see another SEC title game rematch. I really do. Yeah. What's the path for Michigan here? Um. <laughs> is there a, is there a realistic uh, path? I, I mean, I... Everyone talked about like how Ohio State was really the matchup that Georgia should be scared of, and I think that's like true. Yeah. Um, I mean Ohio State can do something through the air like what Bama did to them, maybe even worse at their at their best. Um, Michigan's just been a solid team all year, though. I mean, you go back through what yeah. they've done; like it's been it's been pretty impressive for sure. Um, They're just a good physical football team, right? I mean, they're good. I think Georgia's just better. But, I mean, the Big Ten has proven, and in bowl season additionally, like proven to be a good conference. Uh, and Michigan, like, basically ran through that thing. Like, the Michigan State game looks kind of fluky in retrospect. Um, I mean, Michigan State... It was State, a pretty crazy game, too. Yeah, it was a crazy game, but it's, like, on the road... Michigan had control of it, and then Michigan State battles back, and credit to them, and they deserve, you know, Michigan State deserves credit for it, definitely. But ultimately, I mean, Michigan going 12-1 and through the Big Ten is pretty pretty impressive, right? And having that loss oh, totally. be yeah. one of those losses where it's like, 
if you line them up, you know, a really close loss where if you line them up again, you probably think Michigan wins and it was on the road and it was against a, you know, top 15 team. Like, Michigan does look legit. Um, I think it could be a good game for sure. But... And, I mean, it's... We can't forget that when Michigan, Michigan beat Ohio State... Everyone assumed Ohio State was back in Death Star mode. I mean, this was the classic script of Ohio State heats up towards the end of the season. Even if Michigan already has 10 wins, they're still going to find a way to lose the game. But no, it was the opposite. They they came in and, well, I guess it didn't come in. It was at home in Ann Arbor. But, I mean, they flattened Ohio State. They, it was That was a convincing win. And, I mean, they followed it up with an even more impressive showing against Iowa, who, you know, it's Iowa, but you can't say they weren't a solid team this year. I mean, they have 10 wins again in a decent big 10. So I don't know. I don't know. I really, I, I respect Michigan. Like Cincy, I have a ton of respect for them getting here. They deserve to be here. I don't know if they deserve to be number two, but that doesn't make a difference. Um, George is just nasty, man. And I know like, I can't let the recency bias take hold here. Uh, I think Alabama can do that to anybody. I mean, if they can do it against Georgia, they can do it against anybody, right? This is still the best defense in the country, is it not? Is Michigan's better? Is Bama's better with um, Will Anderson? I don't know. Where do you fall on that? Uh, no, I mean, I think I think that. I think George is still the best defense in the country for sure. I'm not going crazy off I mean, of one game. Um, if it was, if it was 19, you know, if if it was 40 years ago, we would have already crowned Georgia champs. Yeah, that's true. Even like 35 years ago. Well, um, yeah. 25. I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. You want to give a prediction for that one? The total is like 40-something in this game. It's extremely Yeah, it's 45-and-a-half. I, I think it's probably going to be close like and low. You know, it's... Sicko's game of the year? Well, like a 24-17 type of thing. Maybe. I like it. Yeah. I'm thinking six to three. Oh no, six to five. Six to five. You're going super low. Score. I mean, maybe I should go lower. Maybe it's a. I, yeah. I don't know. Some touchdowns are going to be scored. I have to think. But maybe it's like a twenty to seventeen. Twenty to fourteen. I will say, Georgia's off. Like I'm, kind of joking with the six to five thing, but I genuinely think it'll be a, just a game of chaos. Uh, Georgia's tight ends, I think, might be the difference in this game with Brock Bowers, the super talented freshman. Yeah. Damn true freshman, man. Uh, and Darnell Washington. I. That's not to say Michigan doesn't have weapons of their own, but I'm having a real tough time thinking that Georgia's going to lose this game. Give me the dogs. Give me the dogs. Yeah. Give me the dogs. I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Georgia, too. Um. Uh. So, Georgia Bama rematch quickly. 
because we'll, you know, depending on what the actual national title is, we can break it down more. But if they rematch, who you got? I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> okay, we can we, we can save it. We can save it. Um, we both know the answer to this question. But I'm definitely pulling for Georgia, right? I think everyone should be. Uh, I mean, there's some argument like, <laughs> oh, you get you get Georgia for you get landing, you know nine days earlier or whatever but <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm rooting for georgia because i'm a georgia fan for those who don't know but um yeah i sure i i'm really i think it's a good win-win situation for from an purely from an oregon perspective uh you know if he wins then you have the best defense in the country and you're getting the that defensive coordinator uh if he loses then yeah you're right nine more days which seems insignificant in january but it that that can make a little bit of a tangible difference it'll certainly it won't hurt you know what i mean that's true um won't hurt that's definitely true (laughs) if you had to divide up like the percentages on I, i don't know what fpi says i'm sure it has its own percentages for this but how would you divide it amongst these four teams to win it all? Um, Is Bam- Bama over 50%? It feels like it's like Bama like 45. Hmm. Georgia like 35. Michigan like fifteen percent and Cincy five, just because they're in a fourteen playoff. Yeah, I like that. I think I'd put Bama more at like fifty five or so, maybe sixty five even, sixty. Uh, see, that's where I disagree like... personally. Oh, I'm just I'm having a real tough time justifying any four any three of these teams beating Bama. Yeah. How about this? Who has who has a better shot to beat Bama, Michigan or Georgia? Or is Cincy the best matchup? No, it's not Cincy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Georgia, man. Georgia had it. Georgia was George there was a moment where Georgia was about to just like squeeze the life out of Bama in that game. And then they hit that <laughs> pass to i think it was to jamison williams yeah it was and it kind of just got things clicking i mean that sounds ridiculous to say but like it was kind of true like well so okay you're saying that the team best suited to beat bama in this playoff is the one that just beat them in the sec title but bama still has a less than 50 percent shot to win it all I can't justify those two things in the same. I think it, I think I think Georgia Bama is is gonna be a close game. I mean, Pate says that Georgia's gonna be favored in that game. God, well, that's good for Pate, but as someone who's that, ah, never mind. I I've I mean, seen this it, movie before. Yeah, but it, I I don't in fact, know. I saw it a couple weeks ago. It just was. I can't. I keep going back to 
I mean, yes, it was an important game, but it was just one game. And, like, going into that game, I literally was like, if people picking Bama over Georgia just must have not watched the season. Like, that's how it felt. It, it felt, like, so ridiculous. Like, what if that was just an upset, you know? I guess we'll find out. Most Hopefully. Likely. Most likely. I, I, I'm game for a rematch between those two. Sign me up, personally. Yeah, me too. Even the, even though it's the whole SEC thing. And a lot of, like, fans are sick of that kind of stuff, understandably. But I think that would be the, the best. I mean, it, it would be the best matchup objectively probably yeah in the natty all right man anything else we got uh no i think we're good all right man let's go get some caniac sauce <laughs> thank you all for listening um if you have any other oh real quick i just spotted something on this spreadsheet i need to make available we both had texas over eight wins this season Yikes. Looked like we Anyways. were on our way for a while. About until, uh, what would you say, halftime of the Red River shoot? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's a, probably exactly when it turned. Um, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, um, you know, as always, leave reviews, leave us questions on Twitter and stuff if you want to. Um, we'll probably do By it. By the way, there's a, there's a rating system in Spotify now. Oh, really? I don't think you can leave reviews, but you can rate us five stars in Spotify. So there you please go. Check that out. Um, and yeah, we'll probably do a off season or, or a season review show. Maybe we'll come up with some fun awards. So if you have any idea for like award things that you want us to. Yeah, superlatives. Yeah, yeah superlatives. Yeah, exactly. Shoot those our way. Um, otherwise, I think we're good. Yep. Uh, last one of the season, probably of the calendar, definitely of the calendar year. What am I saying? Um, thanks again, and go Ducks. Go Ducks.